I'm too busy. Have you heard those words before? Have you uttered those words recently? Have you heard family or friends utter these words? I'm too busy. You know, I've taken notice that when you just offer a pleasant greeting to someone you meet, uh, acquaintance or someone, you, you go, how, how are you doing? The answer used to be, maybe a decade ago, fine, good, well. But now the trend is beginning when you ask someone, how you doing, or what's going on? They say, I'm busy. I'm so busy. I'm crazy busy. And we kind of just nod our heads and say, yeah, me too. One of my favorite movies it was a favorite movie of our household when my siblings and I were in high school. It was a movie called Multiplicity, starring Michael Keaton. If you haven't seen it, put it on your to rent list. Keaton played a hard-working construction supervisor, a husband and a father named Doug. Doug was overly stressed out. There was not enough time for Doug to complete all his projects at work. Not enough time for Doug to spend with his wife and children. And there certainly, at the very end, was not enough time for Doug, for Doug, to get out on the golf course, to rest, and to relax. So without enough time for himself, his wife, his family, for work, Doug did what many of us wish was possible to do. He cloned himself. Enter Doug number two. Doug number two helped with the workload so original Doug could enjoy more time that he craved with his wife and his family and not by himself. But guess what? That wasn't enough time. Things began to creep up and creep in, so enter Doug number three. So Doug number two and Doug number three took on most of the work and the responsibilities and the chores of original Doug so that original Doug could enjoy the leisure time that he craved. But then problems began to arise as Doug number two and Doug number three found out that they didn't have enough time for themselves. So they decided to make a copy of Doug number two. And as they say, a copy of a copy is never as good as the original enter the slapstick humor that is multiplicity and Doug number four. So what happens is that none of the clones ever solve any of Doug's problems. In fact, they create more, a lot more, and things become a huge mess. Nothing became easier for Doug in his life like he anticipated or expected if there were more Doug's. I think multiplicity speaks to many truths. How many of us have cried out that lament, I'm just too busy. I wish there were more hours in the day or days in the week. Then I can get all that I need to get done done. Maybe we hear this lament and this cry from our loved ones, from those we care deeply about. 
Maybe we find ourselves like Doug, that if the opportunity presented itself and if it was possible, we would jump at the chance to clone ourselves so we can get it all done. But as the movie shows us, that isn't helpful. And as reality tells us, that is impossible. Since we are unable to add more hours to the day or clone ourselves, we've done as a society what is in our power to control this busyness that we create for ourselves. We add spin to it. You know what spin is when we take something that's not good and we spin it and make it sound good? That's what we do with busy. Try to notice it in our world. We decide to take busyness and wear it as a badge of honor. We often see it as a status symbol in others. Those who are so busy, well, they must be the most successful. We don't think there's nothing inherently wrong with being busy. It may produce stress, but it's a part of life. Tim Kreider wrote a piece a number of years ago for the New York Times called The Busy Trap. And he says this response, when we say I'm busy as if it was a badge of honor, is a boast disguised as a complaint. He writes, it's almost always people who lament busyness is purely self-imposed. Work and obligations they've taken on voluntarily, classes and activities they've encouraged their kids to participate in. They're busy because of their own ambition or drive or anxiety, because they're addicted to busyness and dread they're addicted to busyness and dread what they might have to face in its absence. We have our jobs where we push ourselves, where our employers push us. We work more than we probably should and we resist the idea to place any sort of boundaries on our time for ourselves and our family. And think about it, in today's world the workday doesn't end when we leave the office. We carry around cell phones and email where wherever we go, we, we are reachable and on call. Technology has allowed us to work 24-7 from wherever we are. And then even when we bring that work home with us, we get home and we have to attend to the, the work that needs to be attended to in the household. The housework, the managing finances, taking care of kids, countless other domestic tasks that compete for our time and drain our energy. And this has been normal, so we pass it along to our children. The schedules of kids and youth today is totally exhausting. Extracurricular activities such as sports, art, music, social groups, etc., etc., are all well and good and are needed for the development of our youth. But I question if often do we push our children to overextend themselves and do too much because, you know, it'll look good for the future employers, or whatever. Once again, the badge of honor. Do we model this behavior that we always must be on the go and doing something? Let's be honest. Being busy is something that we have chosen. And it is not something that is not out of our control to change. I believe that if God were to grant our prayer and our wish for more hours in a day or more days in a week, so that we could have rest. If God granted that prayer, 
we would just create more busy to fill that extra hour or that extra day. Why do I know this? Because God has given us a day, has given us a Sabbath, a gift that we have already filled with busy. See, the problem with being busy is that it takes our attention away from what's most important, our family, our relationships, and not least important, God. We often think that sin is something that is wicked or evil or immoral, against moral law or God's law. But I've been pointing around this week with trying to reframe a new definition of sin in my own mind. And here's what I've come up with. I said, what if we define sin as anything that God does not desire for us? If we begin to think of sin that way, it includes all those things, but it would also then tell us that busyness is sinfulness. Because God does not desire us to be busy. In the Ten Commandments, God lays out what God desires for us, and the Sabbath is right there in the middle, or right there at the beginning, acting as a hinge of God's laws. When we take a look at the commandments, most of them are straightforward, where we need no, little to no commentary. Do not have other gods. Do not steal. Do not kill. Do not murder. Honor your father and mother. But did you notice that the commandment of the Sabbath includes some explanation? Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And then it goes on to, to reinforce that. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. And it goes on and on. Don't do work. Your son, your daughter, your male, female, slave, your livestock, even the aliens resident in your town. Then it reminds us that God did all God's work in six days and rested. Why was more explanation needed for the Sabbath commandment? Could it be that people didn't understand? Could it be because of the importance of this commandment? I think so. Because think of when the Ten Commandments were given. The Israelites were leaving Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And all they knew in Egypt was work, work, work. Make bricks, 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 bricks. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites are slaves under the harsh rule of Pharaoh. They're building warehouses for Pharaoh. And when they complain that the work is too much, Pharaoh gives them more work. And it gets harder. Their life does not know what rest is. So they cry out to God, and God sends a deliverer in the form of a reluctant prophet named Moses. Moses and God lead the people from slavery into freedom. And when they now enter freedom, in this new, on their way to the new land, they don't know what rest is. It's nothing they've ever experienced. So God gives them the commandments to organize their new society, to keep focused on God, and to remind them to rest. The commandment to this, observe the Sabbath day is tied to the experience of these people being released from bondage. Slaves cannot take a day off, but free people can. Sabbath rest is a reoccurring testimony against that which enslaves us. Whether it's Pharaoh or our own busyness. Jesus in the Gospels reminds us that people, reminds the people that man was not made for the Sabbath. But Sabbath was made for us. It is a gift given to us. In other words, the Sabbath does not master or control us, 
the Sabbath teaches us. So is the Sabbath a gift or a command? I'm wondering if maybe it's both. Maybe it's both a gift and a command. So what do we mean, really, when we say Sabbath? This gift and this command given to us. Sabbath simply means to cease from working. Pausing from our busyness and resting one day a week. And it is a holy day. The point is to stop on that day and look for God. To acknowledge God in not just one way, but in many ways. And Sabbath only happens by a conscious choice. We choose to be busy. So we must choose to rest. To look for God. Marva Dawn writes in her book on Sabbath, Sabbath ceasing means to cease not only from work itself, but also from the need to accomplish and be productive. From the worry and tension that accompany our modern efficiency, from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if we are God, from our own possessiveness, and finally, from the humdrum and meaninglessness that result when life is pursued without God as the center of it all. Sabbath is a reminder that we are not God. It is a reminder that God provides everything. That there is nothing that we can create or do that God hasn't already provided for us. It is a reminder to us that we are not in control, but that God is. And that God is not dependent upon the work that we do. God calls us into the work, but God calls us into rest. Walter Brueggemann writes in his book, Sabbath as Resistance, There's never enough time. There's never a moment's rest. But how willing are we to practice Sabbath? A Sabbath spent catching up on chores we were too busy to do during the week is hardly a testimony to abundance. It does nothing to weaken the domain of scarcity. Honoring the Sabbath is a form of witness. It tells the world that with God there is enough. Sabbath rest gives us an opportunity to connect with ourselves, to connect with others, to connect with our world, and to connect with a God who is woven in and through all of these things. So I want to invite us to reclaim Sabbath. Because this is hard and difficult work. Because this is totally counter-cultural to the world today. It is not easy work to practice Sabbath. So I invite us to rethink Sabbath. And how we can practice it today over the next few weeks. Maybe the first thing we need to do is what Dorothy Bass writes. She says, for many of us, receiving Sabbath will require first disregarding our image of Sabbath as a time of negative rules and restrictions, a day of obligation, in parentheses she says Catholics, or as a day without play, in parentheses, think back to your Protestant childhood. Relocating our understanding of this day in the biblical stories of creation, exodus, and resurrection will be essential if we are to discover the gifts that Sabbath offers. Here's the way I've been thinking about it 
too often, we, we think of God, we hear as God as a parent-child relationship, right? God is our parent, our heavenly parent. So in thinking about that parent-child relationship and how we understand and have practiced Sabbath, and I think about my relationship with my own son. See, I think too often we think of Sabbath as a timeout, right? You know a timeout when, when uh, my, Micah is, is overwhelmed, overworked, overtired, getting angry, getting frustrated, needs to cool down. So what do we say? You need a timeout. Go to your room, take some quiet time, and just have a timeout. And guess what? He does, eventually, reluctantly, because nobody likes a timeout, right? Often that's the way we treat Sabbath. We treat it as God telling us this command, saying, you need a timeout to rest, right? Go think about what you've done, try not to, then come back and get all your work done, right? I don't think we should be treating Sabbath as a timeout. Instead, there are times when Micah simply comes up to Andre and I and says, I want a home day. Can we have a home day? See, Micah's days are busy. He's in day camp every day, and he comes home exhausted. Uh, and there were times just a few weekends ago when, um, when I had weddings. I had a wedding on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I didn't see Micah much all week, and I didn't see him at all really over the weekend. Uh, everything was so busy, and Micah just says, can we have a home day? Here's what he means by that. He doesn't verbalize this, but this is what he means. He says, I need to slow down. I need to pause. Life is too busy for me and for you. I just want to spend quality time with you. Home. Legos. Transformers. Whatever it may be. That quality time to connect. To rest. To rejuvenate. I think Sabbath rest is a call for a home day. Home day with God, with ourselves, with those we love. Sabbath is a gift from God for our life. And not just for us. It's a gift that's shared. It's a gift that I believe can change the world. And not just our world, but the whole world. So this July, we're looking at Sabbath in different ways these next few weeks. How we can practice it, how we can reclaim it, the different ways in areas of our lives we can practice Sabbath. While offering some ideas and tips. So here are the different focuses we're going to look at for Sabbath, just to give us an overview. The first is Sabbath and us. How do we practice Sabbath for ourselves in the midst of our busyness? Our youth and leaders are at the youth gathering in Houston, right? I've been to, I think, five youth gatherings. And I want to tell you, and I know their practice is down there because I've seen it on social media. Um, so ask your kiddo, kiddos about it when they come home. Hopefully they have good stories to tell. Um, but youth gatherings, let me tell you, are busy. They wake up first in the morning and they're on the go all day. There's a practice that started, I can't remember when, at the youth gatherings called Final 15. I can't remember the exact time. Let's just say it's 9.30. 9.30, everyone at the gathering is supposed to stop and do Final 15. It's 15 minutes at the end of your day when you just stop whatever you're doing and pause to practice, to do a devotional, to check in with your group, uh, and to reflect on your day. Let me tell you, that was some of the most powerful times at the youth gathering. Times that I cherished. And it was amazing to see when it hit 9.30, with 30,000 people in the city of Houston, wherever they were, their hotel room, their hotel lobby, 
on the streets, in line, wherever they were, in a restaurant, they would stop, whatever they're doing, to do Final 15. Practicing Sabbath, even for moments in our day, in the midst of our busyness. So Sabbath is for us. But Sabbath is also for others. When we pause and, and stop, we can stop thinking about everything we need to get done, and that allows us to think of others. It allows, to think, it allows us to think of those closest to us. I was visiting with um, a woman, an elderly woman who's uh, 90 plus, and she was telling me, I need this to get done, I need this to get done, I need this to get done, and uh, she's like, I can't do it all. So I asked her, I said, do you have someone to help you do those things? And her response to me was, well, yes, my children will help me do it. But then she said, but I don't know when it's going to get done because they're so busy. Sabbath rest allows us to stop thinking about everything we need to get done, to think of others in our lives we care about. But it also allows us to think of others in the world, maybe that we have no relationship to whatsoever. Because when we're wrapped up in ourselves, we only think about our issues. When we practice Sabbath, we can open up our minds to the gospel message of loving and serving others. And I think about what's happening right now in our country, at our borders, and those seeking asylum. It's all too easy to be busy and to be consumed with what we have going on in our problems that we just ignore those who are suffering in our world. Those who God calls us to love. The orphans, the widows, the refugees. Those who are in prison. As I mentioned John earlier, in prison. A family who have lost contact and a church who has been the source of love in constant contact. It warmed my heart the whole time you were there as if you were giving me a big hug, says John. Sabbath allows us to think of others, not just ourselves. But Sabbath is also found in creation. It allows us to get in touch with creation. Have you noticed, right? Farmers, there are only certain times you can plant and grow and other times to reap. I just heard Sweet Corn Charlie's is open, right? I can't wait to get there because it's a limited time because what? The land needs to rest. The fields need to rest. They need to take Sabbath. So Sabbath and creation. And finally, last but not least, Sabbath and worship. We worship God through all of it. Sabbath allows us to pause and to see God in the midst of everything, to give thanks, to reconnect, and to worship. So I want to invite us to share a few tips to start practicing Sabbath. So here's just three things that you can take today to start practicing Sabbath if you don't already. The first tip is this. Talk about Sabbath. Talk about what it means and what it would look like for your life with your loved ones, with your family, with your friends. In your bulletin, there's a devotion with some questions that can help start that conversation. Because you can't practice it if you don't talk about it and make it a part of your life. So talk about Sabbath with those you love. Tip two, maybe try practicing Final 15. Maybe you can't give up a whole day to practice Sabbath yet, and that day doesn't need to be Sunday. Some of us work on Sundays, right? Whether it's in a church or in a hospital or wherever. Sabbath can be any day to take that whole day to rest. Maybe you're not there yet. Your calendar's too booked, so practice 15 minutes in the midst of the busyness. 
And then to look at your calendar. To find that first day where there's nothing happening on it, whether it's a month from now, two months from now, whatever it is, and just write Sabbath on your calendar. And don't let anything fill that day. Anticipate it. See what it might be like and what your life might be like if you don't schedule anything and don't feel the need to be productive. Because Sabbath is a gift from God, meant for our well-being, for the well-being of others, and for all of creation. Because God loves us and gives this gift to us. So may we take time to pause. To pause in the midst of our busyness and to engage this counter-cultural work of Sabbath-keeping. Amen.